0: Marcus, I've waited a while, but here we are once again... Starting another episode of the podcast standing down by the river where it turns past Muscle Shoals. I'm Ray Coob.
1: I'm Marcus Goldman.
0: And this is kind of like a coda to our episode about Muscle Shoals and all the music that was made and had there.
1: Muscle Shoals is one of those places where we could talk for hours upon hours about and maybe even do a whole podcast series on alone. Probably, yeah. So we know that we didn't get close to what we wanted to talk about and we felt that it was necessary to do this sort of addendum and add on a few things that we know that we had missed or left out that are important.
0: It hit me that we needed to do this because I was listening to Boss Gag's Loan Me a Dime and I realized that we kind of breezed by that because we had so much to talk about. So it's good to be back and just letting the river flow and we want to talk about the music that we kind of glossed over or missed really in some cases. uh, we were doing the episode previously.
1: True. So, are you ready to jump into it and talk music, Ray? Always, my brother. Excellent.
0: So, let's talk about some of the major players in the Muscle Shoals sound. We talked about Wilson Pickett before, but you know, he had so many of his hits recorded right there in the complex,
1: right? Absolutely. Songs like Mustang Sally, Funky Broadway, yes, and these so These were huge many hits when I was more. a kid.
0: And these songs that come from the mud. Right. Everybody's talking about it comes from the mud, man, (laughs)
1: the ground, you know,
0: (laughs) Bob Seger must have felt it. He came down from Michigan, liked it so much that he came back and did albums there pretty much for 10 plus years. Parts of his albums would be recorded first at fame. And I think then some over with the Swampers when they opened their place out there on Jackson Highway.
1: Yeah. Those two studios really put out a crazy amount of great music and it's interesting that so many musicians got and understood the magic of Muscle Shoals and tried to capture that in their music as well.
0: If we ever do that series you were talking about, all about this whole thing,
1: that's an episode of the Bob Seger
0: story and how he decided and made songs with his band or with the the Swampers or other people who were available to him down there at Muscle Shoals. I thought we talked enough about the experience Leonard Skinner had there at Muscle. Shoals, but everyone I know who are Skinner fans were saying, oh, you forgot how much the songs really came to life in that studio because it was really the first time they had that kind of a studio set up to work in. Now, they found one closer to home because that was sensible, but that time spent at Muscle Shoals, so key to the development of Leonard Skinner. And you know, I was thinking about the Stones experience there showing up in the middle of the night. We focused on those songs they recorded and their role in the launching of Sticky Fingers as an album. But we really didn't talk about You Gotta Move, which is the Mississippi Fred McDowell song. That's coming from the mud, man. You're talking about down there in the part of the South and that feeling that artists talk about that what they feel and put out down there is inspired by the environment.
1: You got to move, you got to move, you got to move, child, you got to move, but one and long, get ready, you got to move. When you listen to what the Rolling Stones and bands like them did, Bob Seeger at Muscle Shoals, you can tell that they studied the music, they studied the musicians, they studied the studio because that feel and that sound were so important for them to try to capture in their music that they really did a great job being students as well as being great musicians.
0: When you think about the way that recording was evolving, at that time as Seeger was starting his career, were Steve Miller, right? These guys came in at the end of an eight-track studio being a big deal, and they were there. As It all expanded into the 70s and beyond, and that also took place in the studio and then studios that were there in Muscle Shoals. When we did the original episode, Marcus, we talked a little bit about Paul Simon being there and Art Garfunkel being there, and I think we glossed over the fact that they did some recording together there as well, right?
1: Correct.
0: Well, first off, let's talk more about There Goes Ryman Simon from 1973, recorded there partially At Muscle Shoals And a couple other studios too But the atmosphere that you got there Comes out in a lot of the songs Like Loves Me Like a Rock You remember that one, right?
1: Of course I remember that one It was one of those songs that was a staple In my home My parents were big fans of Simon and Garfunkel And they loved Paul Simon's solo music Songs like Coda Chrome were played regularly When I think back
2: To wonder
1: Were also songs that were sung at camp that I went to when I went to summer camps and uh, was in youth groups and things like that. So we were listening to and singing these songs regularly.
0: What I wanted to point to was the fact that all the guys, all the Swampers and everybody else that you know that's associated with them, like Pete Carr and Cornell Dupree, maybe David Spinoza, all of the players who've been part of the rotation of things rolling through there, they used everybody on on that Paul Simon record.
1: Oh, yeah, the list of players is huge, and the team that put together
0: that Art Garfunkel album Breakaway that was partially recorded down there in Muscle Shoals also included people like Stephen Bishop and Steve Cropper, okay, Andrew Gold and Nikki Hopkins, Bruce Johnston, Jim Keltner, all kinds of people from all over the places. But the backbone. A lot of the players were the Swampers
1: He even did a Paul Simon song On that record And he began the album Covering Stevie Wonder and Yvonne Wright I believe when I fall in love It will be forever Great song
0: It started flowing, Marcus. A lot of people wanted to get down to Muscle Shoals to make their record. One of the reasons why was a young man that you mentioned in our original episode uh, pitched a tent in the yard. And he did so much of what was recorded during that time when he was the guy there at Fame Studios. This is after the guys had gone down the road,
1: right? Yes. And his guitar work on Wilson Pickett's cover of Hey Jude, in some ways, birthed Southern rock. Eric Clapton was blown away by the guitar work when he heard it, pulled his car over. Called on a payphone His label people And asked them to find out Who was playing guitar on that song And it's just one of those songs That kind of I think hit people Like what the hell is this This is incredible And it really shows you How important not only Dwayne Allman Was to the music world But how important Muscle Shoals Was to the whole Growth of rock and roll At that time period
0: beyond that, Marcus, was the work he did with people like Arthur Conley or Clarence Carter or King Curtis. His version of the weight was incredible. And sure, he's a great saxophone player, but Dwayne Allman made that thing. Swing, man.
1: And when you hear this version of the weight, you hear the weight being lifted off of your shoulders by King Curtis, Dwayne Allman, and all of the other players. And it feels like there's this sense of relief. Versus the original, which it feels like those cats are still carrying that weight around and looking to find a way to get that weight off their shoulders. I pulled the Nazareth, was feeling bound half I just need some place My hand, no, was all he said. Take a load off, Benny. Take a load for free.
2: Take a load off, Benny.
0: And you put the load, put right, the on load right on me. Think what I really wanted to get back to in talking about all this was getting around to talking about the stuff that we didn't have more time for the last time, like Bob Dylan's time down there. I want to know more about that. You talk about that being an episode of that series you're talking about. I don't really know much about it, and I know there are people who could tell us and help us, including a lot of our dylan friends,
1: right? Yeah, we're lucky we have some dilentologists near us, but I would love to hear <laughs> about Bob Dylan's experience at Muscle Shoals because he is so different than the Muscle Shoals vibe that you hear in all of those records. So be curious to hear about some of those conversations and how they work together and how it all happened.
0: What I'm also finding as I do more and more digging into it is how much the situation when it comes to Muscle Shoals is we did these two tracks here or the basis for these six tracks there. It's part of a plan for a lot more artists, not the only plan. You know what I'm saying? Because it wasn't uncommon back in these days of recording to do different parts of your albums at different studios, especially if the producer had a specific thing in mind.
1: True, and we've seen that with some of the great records in the history of rock and roll, as well as there are a few bands that are doing that now they find a studio on the road somewhere and they jump in and record a track or lay down part of a track for their upcoming album because they had an idea to make it better or that worked or they had the free time
0: another thing i'd like to know more about is jimmy cliff's time there at muscle shoals so this is part of the inflow Of people coming to record That the Swampers are bringing in Really, because it goes out to Jackson Highway And this project takes on a life Of its own there
1: I can only imagine how much uh, how wa- Weed they were smoking Dude, Not <laughs> only that, I mean How much fun they were having creating this album And sure. the Swampers Stepping out of their comfort zone Big time to work on this record
0: Well, it looks like it was The Swampers and then Jimmy and his guy Gilly Bright and Tippy Armstrong on lead guitar, giving it the Iree feeling that comes out of the album. But it's cool to see a different genre other than Southern R&B or soul or rock, whatever, coming to visit in Muscle Shoals in 1971. The great Jimmy Cliff. Take a, good look. Take a good look. Take a
1: look. When you
2: look in the mirror, tell me what do you see? Is it who you think you are, or who you'd like to be? When you look at your shadow, tell me, what do you see? Do you walk with a giant, or do you crush a flea? We are nothing else but what we think we are.
0: Kind of breeze past the fact that Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show did a couple albums there. Out of 1978, Pleasure and Pain, and 1979's follow-up, Sometimes You Win.
1: A couple of great tunes from their time at Muscle Shoals, Sharing the Night Together, and When You're in Love with a Beautiful Woman, two songs that I remember from listening to FM radio.
2: You're looking kind of lonely, girl. Would you like someone new? Talk to. Oh, yeah, alright. I'm feeling kind of lonely too, if you don't mind. Can I sit down here beside you? Oh, yeah, alright. If I seem to come on too strong, I hope that you will understand. I say these things because I'd like to know if you're lonely. As I am and if you'd mind sharing the night together. Oh, yeah. Sharing the night together. Oh,
0: yeah. Another album sharing- which plays into the done in different studios thing that we were talking about earlier Marcus is Rod Stewart's Atlantic Crossing coming across breaking out on his own officially as a solo artist away from everybody else and he heads partially down to Muscle Shoals. He gets the Swampers involved. He's also got Booker T. Jones and Donald Duck Dunn and a little bit of Steve Cropper so it's everybody helping out. So Rod was making a big deal about coming over thus the name of the album and he got every damn great studio guy that he could get and put them all in studios all over the place including Muscle Shoals for this really great album
2: Day after day I'm more confused I look for the light in the pub and the rain
0: You know that's a game that I
1: hate to lose I'm feeling the strain
0: It's underappreciated, I think, in the long term, but it's a great album. I had a couple notes I wanted to get to before we hit the break, Mark. Is first, I guess the real question I had about Dylan's time there, he did the uh, Gotta Serve Somebody era of his career there did he get more of that evangelical fire in his music because he was there where all that stuff goes on
1: it's very possible because like you said the evangelical fire burns hot in that part of the country so it is very possible that that's where he found his i think born again side, or it started uh stoking that fire.
0: That region also known for stoking the fires of southern pride rock and roll by the likes of Blackfoot who also did a lot of work in Muscle Shoals both when Ricky Medlock was in Blackfoot and from when he was in Leonard Skinner remember that. things i like seeing in more modern times is the return to muscle shoals by the next generation and that part of the album brothers from the black keys was recorded at the original site cool in the grooves all right
1: That's a band that has been big time students of the rock and roll sound from the Delta, from the Stacks area, from Memphis, and they have been so respectful in the way... They have curated or grown their sound to pay homage, but yet be unique. And I have a lot of love for the Black Keys and the music they've put out, and they've done a great job. Me too. And you want to
0: find uh, the best example of what Marcus is talking about? Delta Cream, bitches. (laughs) (laughs) It feels and smells authentic. Indeed. Speaking of which. I'm hungry, and I'm thirsty, and I need that salty Vets barbecue along with a nice pint of Crooked Eye. Let's take it to the break and come back and get back down to Muscle Shoals a little bit more in this coda to our original episode.
1: On the imbalanced history of rock and roll.
0: As we start a new year, Marcus, it's always good to have the things we know and love so much near at hand to help us as we forge forward,
1: right? Absolutely, and new beers and good beers from Crooked Eye are a great way to ring in and celebrate 2023.
0: I can see that you see where I'm going, bro.
1: <laughs> Talking about Crooked
0: Eye Brewery in the heart of Hap, bro, you got to go in and hear the music, hear the band, feel the band, including the Crooked Eye Band, every second Saturday. The brews, yes, but also... The Salty Vets Barbecue, so delicious. Those fall-off-the-bone ribs, everything. Matt's got this meatloaf thing he was working on the other night. I'm going in just to have a platter. You know what I'm saying?
1: I know what you're saying.
0: So now you can go in and enjoy the full package, including great music, which you always get when you go in. Follow him on Facebook and stay in touch that way and find out what the latest things that are going on, including... The latest brews. I had a couple of those when I was in the other night.
1: Right in the heart of Hatboro Crooked Eye Brewery. And thank you for being a partner of the podcast, The Imbalance History of Rock and Roll.
0: Hey, folks, if you haven't checked out Boldfoot Socks yet, go to their website and do it today, boldfoot.com. And if you like what you see and you want to place an order, you can save 15% on us by entering the code HISTORY15 in the discount box. Now, Marcus, you've had some great personal experience wearing your Boldfoot Socks.
1: That is correct, Ray. I am an active cyclist. After hearing Josh tell us... About his experience running a race in the desert in his boldfoot socks. I had to give it a try on the bike, and they held really well. My feet didn't feel funky afterward, and after my spin class, my feet felt great. Not all wet and yucky.
0: Wet and yucky, bad. Bad. Feeling bold? Good. (laughs) Go to boldfoot.com and check out all the styles and they've got a wide variety of styles no matter what your mood is about your socks and uh, colors, designs it all fits into what you want out of a sock that holds up and they definitely give you that support you need. I know from the times I've worn mine.
1: Make sure you go to boldfoot.com and use the code HISTORY15 to get 15% off of your first order.
2: Look,
0: Back and refresh back to Muscle Shoals. It's the coda to our original episode, The Magic of Muscle Shoals, here on The Imbalance History of Rock and Roll. I'm Ray with my buddy Marcus. You know, man, what got me thinking about this was one song, really. You know, after we did our original episode, I kept listening to the music and along the way, you know, we both realized songs that we love were made in one of those studios in Muscle Shoals,
1: right? Oh, absolutely. There's so many songs just looking over this short list of songs that I grew up singing and listening to that were recorded at Muscle Shoals.
0: And records that I have, like R.B. Greaves, Take a Letter, Maria, a really dicey song for the times, but it was recorded there.
2: Last night as I got home, about a half past 10, there was the woman I thought I knew in the arms of another man. I kept my cool, I ain't no fool Let me tell you what happened then I packed some clothes and I walked out And I ain't going back again So take a letter, Maria Address it to my wife Say I won't be coming home Gotta start a new life
0: Take a letter, Maria Address it to my wife to my and they were recording stuff and putting it out on all different kinds of labels, primarily starting with a few. But as business grew, everybody was coming to Muscle Shoals, like John Prine and his wonderful song called Living in the Future.
2: Jehoshaphat,
1: a mongrel cat, jumped off the roof today. Some say he fell, but I can tell he did himself away. His eyes weren't bright like they were the night we played checkers on the train. Well, God bless his soul, he was a tootsie roll, but he's a dead cat just the same. We are living in the future. I'll tell you how I
2: know. I read it in the paper fifteen years ago. But we're all driving rocket ships and talking with our man and wearing turquoise jewelry standing in we We're standing
1: in supply. John Prine, what a songwriter and what a beautiful musician. His songs are crafted so nicely, and boy, is he missed.
0: And earlier we were talking about Wilson Pickett and Mustang Sally, Funky Broadway, and other songs that kind of like fit that vein, like Joe Cocker and his song High Time We Went. What a great song recorded in the show! Well, And after the Swampers split, went out the Jackson Highway with their own thing, right? Yeah. Rick had brought in a whole lot of work with Capitol Records. People like Joe Simon and his song, Easy to Love, coming from there. Millie Jackson, Kiss You All Over. Great song recorded there. You just
2: might like it. In fact, I promise you you like I think you need a refresh your course on my love anyway. Must be done forgot how good I am. Uh, let me tell you something. When I get home, babe, I'm gonna light you back. All day I've been thinking about you, baby. You're my one desire. I'm gonna wrap my arms around you, baby. Hold you close to me. Oh, baby, I want to taste your lips. I want to feel your fantasy, yeah. I don't know what I'd do without you, baby. Don't know where I'd be. You're not just another lover. You're everything me. Every time I'm with you, baby, I can't believe it's true. When you lay laying in my arms and you do the things you do, you can see it in my eyes. I can feel it in you.
0: mentioned it before that after the split that Rick started the second fame gang he went out and signed up everybody he could He wasn't going to have that happen to him again.
1: No, but he was still able to find great musicians who really captured the feel and the sound. And that was the important part. He could have put a lot of great, talented musicians in those spots. But if they didn't have that Muscle Shoals vibe, it wasn't going to work.
0: One of the artists that we barely talked about was pretty prolific in her prime years and a big Part of that was recording at Muscle Shoals at Fame. I'm talking about Bobby Gentry. She kind of made her mark redoing other people's songs, but Ode to Billy Joe was like a number one. I don't know how many weeks it was number one, and it was huge for Hall and everybody in the Fame gang. Was
2: it 3rd of June? Another sleepy, dusty Delta day. I was out chopping cotton and my brother was baling hay And at dinner time we stopped and walked back to the house to eat And mama hollered at the back door, y'all remember to wipe your feet And then she said, I got some news this morning from Choctaw Ridge. Today, Billy Joe McAllister jumped off the Tallahatchie Bridge.
1: I remember that song. I'm not as familiar with her work overall, but I remember that song.
0: I mean, her songs were on the radio all the time. I even have a couple of them, and it might even be Ode to Billy Joe. But Little Richard staged a comeback at a Fame studio in Muscle Shoals.
1: Yeah, I thought this was really cool. And Little Richard being one of the progenitors of rock and roll. And some people even maybe call him one of the first punk rockers because of his crazy rebellious style. And well, that
0: was rock and roll to the core all the way back. Absolutely. I think they reaching for that. The thing was, is that he had that spirit in him, that pentagon. Pentecostal spirit and it was there, right? All around, we're talking about it, it was all around there. But this is where he made his move back to rock and roll, away from the years that he spent back with the church more. And he launched that part of his career at fame studios and muscle shoals. <laughs> another newer artist that recorded a lot of his early stuff at Fame is Jason Isbell. And his band, the Drive-By Truckers, are pretty well known. He's crossed so many lines back and forth. He won them in several states by the state police.
1: (laughs) The name of his Grammy-winning band, the 400 unit, is also deeply rooted in his time over in Alabama. So he is really in to the Muscle Shoals area. In case you're wondering, the 400 unit is the name of a mental treatment facility in Florence, Alabama. Which, if I'm not mistaken, there's a big prison in Florence, Alabama as well.
0: It's an interesting place. While doing the research for this follow-up episode, I learned something. That Fame Studios stands for. Are you ready? Florence, Alabama Music Enterprises. Just that simple. I never realized that because I thought it was something about being famous and fame. You know, recalling fame. Hey, the guy had it all in his brain, and he even managed to work the local name of the town into the whole damn thing. One of those little things that make you go, "What?" And that ship brown building has been on the National Register of Historic Places since 2016. As has the uh, the new place, <laughs> the new place that's been there for like 50-plus years now,
1: right? <laughs> Down on Jackson Highway.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, what a wonderful place to make music and create music. And still today, anybody who wants to go into a studio, I think these are two fine places to get to. And if you're somebody who has a certain spirit in you as a creative person, going to one of these places or one of the other legendary studios that are still out there could be an important key part to you how you make
1: that magic happen. And you may be able to channel some of that magic as well and being able to channel that get magic songs in could make a difference in how you feel about your music and what you end up doing. So I say take that shot and again study the Muscle Shoals vibe, the Muscle Shoals music, the Muscle Shoals history because it is a very important piece in rock and roll.
0: I would suggest you go to your music service and type in Muscle Shoals music and and or say, Alexa, play Muscle Shoals music. There's playlists. In whatever way that you access digital music online, find yourself playlists about the Muscle Shoals experience musically. Start hearing it. And then maybe find the Stax playlist and start realizing the similarities and differences between the two sounds. We are overdue, my friend, for an episode all about the Stax record story. And Jim Stewart's recent passing only underlines that to me, man.
1: Looks like 2023 is going to be a busy year and we're definitely going to have to hit stacks as one of the episodes.
0: So if you liked our original episode, thanks for doubling back to get caught up with us. And if you've got other things you want to add to the story, you can always email us at imbalancehistory at gmail.com.
1: You can also find us on all social media platforms at the Imbalance History of Rock nope, and roll. we're not
0: on TikTok. You won't let us be on TikTok.
1: Okay, you're right. TikTok, we're not. But let <laughs> me rephrase that. We are on Twitter. Facebook and Instagram under the imbalanced history of rock and roll, not TikTok. <laughs>
0: until the next time that we get together here, courtesy of dark, dark media and the Pantheon network. I'm Ray Coogs.
1: I'm Marcus Goldman.
0: And this is the imbalanced history
1: of rock and roll. It's NFL draft
2: season. And that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football